Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Amen. God is good. And there are a lot of people that need prayer. There's a lot of... uh, Bugs and viruses going around, so pray for anyone you don't see today, pray for them and ask God to just heal their body and uh, for the Lord to meet them where they are today. Amen. We're starting a series today on the art of neighboring. How many know the, the Word of God teaches us a lot about loving others? Amen. Serving others, helping others. And uh, so we're going to start talking about the art of neighboring today, and we're going to base that on the Word of God, specifically Jesus' command in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. And it says this, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And 31 says the second is equally important. So loving your neighbor that we're getting ready to read here is equally important as to loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as who? As who? Love your neighbor as yourself. And it says no other commandment is greater than these. We're talking about the art of neighboring. And today I want to tie that in to living thankfully, to honoring the Lord with everything that we do. Being thankful to God is truly obeying his word. Can you say amen to that? If you're going to honor God, if you're going to be thankful to God, it's not about a song you sing. You could, you could have the most poetic lyrics on a screen that you sing of thanks, and that does not come close to being enough to honor him if you're not willing to obey him. Hello? We must obey the Lord. We must obey every command of his word. That is how we truly say thank you. My kids could say thank you every time I give them 20 bucks for a meal out or for this or for that. And if all they did was say thanks but didn't honor me, didn't obey me, didn't do what I told them to do, didn't live the way I, told them, I taught them to live, then I wouldn't believe that they were truly thankful. Come on now. And so Jesus says here, quoting from the Old Testament, quoting from both uh, uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, he's quoting the fact that we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And then he says, equally in value to that is to love your neighbor as yourself. How many love yourself? Only half of you love yourself? We need to talk about something else this morning. (laughs) Let me ask the question, how many love yourself? Yeah, most of us love ourselves a little bit because we thank God for us. We, we kind of are fond of ourselves a little bit, you know? And so the truth is, is if we love ourselves, we ought to love our neighbor equally. So I want to talk about Thanksgiving for a minute. And I'm not talking about the holiday. The holiday's coming, and we always try to focus our thoughts around that at this time of year. But I'm not talking about holiday. I'm talking about a lifestyle of living Thankfully, it's the act of giving thanks. It's an expression of gratitude. It's especially an expression of gratitude to God, but it is also an expression of gratitude to others. 
I want you to just right now find a neighbor that is not your spouse, preferably. Even if you've got to holler across the aisle at them. Just look at them and just say, thanks. Just tell them thank you. Thank you. It's good to just say thanks to somebody. Thank you. I'm thankful you're here today. I'm thankful you're my friend. I'm thankful you're my brother, my sister. I'm thankful that I get to see you today. I'm thankful that we get to worship Jesus together. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I believe this too, though, that Thanksgiving is possibly not just a benefit to me being thankful to God or to others. I believe being thankful is a benefit to others that see my life modeled out in honor and thanks to my king. I believe others are drawn to God through my thanks living. Come on now. The way I live out thanks and gratitude, and Pastor Justin preached on gratitude so powerfully and effectively last Sunday, and we're just kind of carrying that thought over. But the truth is this, others see my sincere gratitude to my father by the way I live it out. In gratitude to him, publicly or privately, gratitude towards others, publicly or privately. And when they see that in my life, they want to model it in their life. I become a mirror of the love of God. I become a mirror of the blessings of God. I become a mirror of all that God has done in my life. Thanksgiving, everybody say thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's a powerful discipline in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I've got a lot of scripture this morning. It'll all be on the screen. Chapter 5, verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians says, Be thankful in most circumstances. All circumstances, okay? So be thankful in all circumstances that are good. No. Be thankful in every circumstance, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Wave at me if you belong to Christ Jesus this morning. Just wave at me. Then it is God's will for you to be thankful in every circumstance of your life. Whether you're on the mountain or you're in the valley today. Whether you have a lot of money in the bank or you have no money in the bank. Whether everybody is healthy in your family or everybody might be sick in your family. It is a day of gratitude. It is a time to give thanks. It is right and righteous and holy to show our thanksgiving to the Lord and to others. Amen? How do you pay back God for all that God has done for you? How do you pay him back? It's impossible. I believe the way we start is gratitude. The way we start is living out a life of thankfulness. Honoring him. Honoring others for his glory and living it out. Psalm 92 verse 1 says this. It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. And then he gives us a way or a process to do that. To sing praises to the Most High. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to the Most High God. I think, now, singing is not the only way to give thanks, but it is a wonderful catalyst of thanks. As I began to sing my praises, even if you can't sing, at least sing in the shower when no one's around, okay? If you can't, if you can't carry a tune in the bucket, wait till everybody else is singing and then belt it out with them. But just sing, because when you begin to sing, there's something that takes place on the inside of me when I begin to sing the praises of God, whether it's a song I know or it's a new song that's just in my spirit. You may say, I didn't know you were a songwriter. I'm not. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just gives me a song of thanks and praise, and it just comes out in my, usually not in public settings, but it just comes out of my praise to God. Sing 
a song of praise and thanks to the Lord. I want to challenge y'all to do that this week. There's always something to praise God for. There's always something to thank God for or to thank someone else near you for. Hey, when's the last time you just told your spouse, thank you? Thank you for, thank you for taking care of our children and thank you for taking care, Bev, of, of our home and, and family so wonderfully. Now, I'm, I'm not just doing that just to make her feel good. I, and I'm setting an example, but I want you to understand it's good to just say thank you. She's a better, she does a lot better job of that than I do because she's, she's a woman. You know, women are just better at that stuff. But she'll pat me on the back or rub my arm and say, just thank you, honey, for this or thank you for that or I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. Thank you. And I'm like, you yeah, this awkward moment. But it's something that we need to do. Yeah, no, I'm just being honest with you. It's like whenever somebody tells you that, you're like, what do you do? You know, how do you respond to that? Thank you too, you know. But the truth is, is we need to make that a natural flow of our lives. Gratitude and thanks. Now, I believe probably everybody in this building, everybody watching online is grateful for their spouse, loves their family. Surely we all love Jesus. But I don't know of anybody that expresses publicly, at least to me, more gratitude and thanks for their spouse than Lou Potter. He's always giving God thanks for his family. He's always wanting to testify about the, the goodness of God in his life and in specifically his wife. And I'm going to ask Lou to come right now and uh, give a little testimony of the goodness of God in his life and in his family's life. Lou, right there's a microphone. Share from your heart. He promised not to preach, but I told him to take time and share. God is good. I, I know many of you have shared before, but for those that haven't heard, my wife, in the 40 years we've been married, about 38 of those years, she's been in and out of hospitals, all kinds of operations, health issues. And uh, she's been on uh, diabetes medicine and she can't lose weight and just it's made a lot of issues a lot worse. So she finally, we got to Mayo Clinic and, uh, you know, they specialize in difficult operations. So they were actually needed to do a double operation. She had th three massive hernias and they needed to do a gastric bypass so she can get off all this insulin and, and drop some weight and, and get rid of diabetes. Trust in God for that. So anyway, Tuesday, election day, we, uh, they said it would be about a seven and a half hour operation, two doctors working on her. And uh, with all the scar tissue, I, and I know many of you have been praying you know, before she went in that God would make a way, you know, so they didn't have to cut her wide open, you know. So thankful that everyone's been praying and um, they went in and when the doctor saw me after the operation, he said, you know, we did some small incisions to do it robotically. We went in and we said, wow, this... I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, you know, but I know you've all been praying. And they made like six or eight small incisions, and they said, all right, let's, let's go. We'll see how far we can get. And before you know it, they're going and going, and they're getting rid of some scar tissue and getting in and doing what they had to do. And before you know it, the doctor said seven hours went by, and they were able to do the bypass, get, uh, fix all the hernias, put some mesh in there, and sew her up. And uh, like I said, I know it was because of God's people praying. And I'm not going to mention her name, but there was one lady that said the Lord woke her up an hour early than she usually gets up. And she had Kelly on her heart. And I'm not going to mention her name, but she knows who she is. And she couldn't go back to sleep, but she said, I, I started praying for Kelly. 
that the doctors would be able to go through and do it robotically so she wouldn't have a long recovery. And praise God, they were able to do it. And she's home resting now, and um, it's going to be a slow recovery. But uh, I'm just thankful for all the prayers, and, and God saw her through another. This is a major, major operation. And I just give God glory and honor, and thank you all for praying. And that one special person that got up an hour early and when the surgeons were ready to go, and they, he lifted her up in prayer. So just Amen. give God glory for all that. Amen. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. God answers prayer. And we have to thank him before the victory. We have to thank him through the victory. And we have to thank him after the victory. Can you say amen to that? What is Thanksgiving? Thank you, Lou, for sharing that wonderful testimony. And uh, many were praying for that surgery. And we watched the hand of God be able to do that through these surgeons, not in a way where it had to be a, 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 a full operation where they cut her open, but robotically with minimal, minimal uh, healing time and recovery time because of that. We're thankful for that. And we're believing God for a quick recovery. Amen. So how do we focus our gratitude? Firstly, I said it a moment ago, but you thank God for your past. I don't know what you've come through. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been going through. Sister Kelly could talk about years and years and years and years and years of medical issues if you talk to her. But you, when you talk to Sister Kelly, you always hear her say, I thank God because I've been able to do this or God used me in this way or that way. We must be thankful for our past. Can you say amen to that? We got to remember the things that God has done for us. Has God ever brought you through something? Come on, can you just say thank you, Jesus? But we also have to be thankful in our present situation. Some of you might be in some heavy, heavy, heavy places today. Possibly you're here and you're thinking, it's Thanksgiving, it's almost Christmas, and there's some challenges in my life, there's some things I'm going through, I don't know which end is up. Financially, I don't know how I'm going to make it in this economy and inflation and all that's going on. I don't know what to do. I just want you to know something. If you will learn, if we can learn this art of gratitude and living our lives out in thanks and honor to Jesus, I'm telling you, there's no circumstance or situation that will overwhelm you. It's true. Gratitude is like the antidote of anxiety. It really is. Philippians chapter four, Paul writes this, and I'm gonna read this from the message version because it's so powerful. And it says, I'm, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess, Paul writes. This is a man in bonds. He's a man in chains. I'm happy that you again are showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying or thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. <laughs> I don't know how you write that when you're locked up. I don't know how you, when people are lying about you, when there's false accusations again. I don't know how you, how you say that, but he does. He says, I, I, have, I, I don't have a sense of needing anything. And then he says this. He says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as I am with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Amen. Be content in whatever circumstance you're in. We live in a world full of comparisons. We live in a world full of, of really abundance. And you may feel like today, I don't have an abundance in my life. I'm lacking a lot of things in my life. But we live in a world, we live in a nation that's got 
an exorbitant amount of stuff, <laughs> provisions. And we all feel this need sometimes to keep up with the Joneses. I don't know if there's any Joneses in here, but I don't mean to use your name. But to keep up with the, the, the neighbor, to keep up with somebody else. I want to have the kind of car they have. I want to have the stuff they have. I want to do the things they do. I want to go where they go. You look on social media and you're comparing yourself constantly. Paul says, stop all of that and just learn to be content with wherever you are, whatever you have. God's good and his grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Where you are, what you have, if you love Jesus, if you're living a life that's honorable to him, I'm telling you, he will meet you at the point of every need. He will always provide whatever you have need of. And so we're thankful for our past. We're thankful in our present circumstance. And we must be thankful for our future in advance. We live in this perpetual attitude of thanks. And that is what opens our future up for God's blessing and provision. When I'm thankful. Not when I'm comparing. Not when I'm walking around with the attitude of like, well, I think I deserve one of those too. Well, I deserve for my kids to all be at home for the holidays like their kids. I deserve this. My, why doesn't my family look like that? Why doesn't my husband do this stuff? Why doesn't my wife act that way? Don't compare. Wherever you are, be content and be thankful. Because when you thank him, listen, one thing you can do, I believe in speaking to the things that are not as though they are so that God can bring them to pass according to his will, his way, his time. Can you say amen to that? If you believe that, you've got to live it out. And so one way that looks is by just thanking God in advance for things that you don't see yet naturally. Lord, I thank you that there's going to be enough money for Christmas. I thank you that I'm going to have food on my table at Thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to help me pay my bills. I thank you, Lord, that you're already working all things together. Lord, I thank you that you're healing my marriage. I thank you that my children shall be saved. I thank you, God, that you are working all things together for my good. I thank you, God. Come on, you got to put it into practice. You have to start, well, I do. I just say it over in my mind. I want to challenge you. Get it out of your mind and get it right out here out loud. Amen. Just do it. Break free from those things. Well, I was just saying it just, and God hears your thoughts. Don't misunderstand. I know God hears your thoughts. But I'm telling you, there's something about releasing your praise and your thanks audibly to God. There's something, that's why you read in the Psalms, shout out a praise to God, shout out a praise. Speak a praise. There's something about the spoken blessing, the spoken gratitude. When I start saying it, God starts working on it. It's true. When I start talking it, God starts working on it. I say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're gonna fix or provide what we need to fix anything around this house that's not working right or broken. And, and sure enough, we start proclaiming it and God sends the resources. Sometimes he sends somebody that can fix it or sometimes he sends the money to fix it. But God always fixes it. Happens in my home as well. It happens every, we just start praising God. My wife's the best at it. Y'all have heard me say it a thousand times. But when she wants something, when she starts thinking about something, she doesn't want much, she doesn't require much. I'm a lot more needy than she is, I can tell you that. But she just starts, but when she decides she wants something, she just does like, you know, I really want a new whatever, you know, and uh, voila, it's on Marketplace for a third the price, or it's at a yard sale, and she just starts saying, I thank God he's going to give us one of those, we're getting ready to get a new whatever, and she just starts believing for it, and then we get it, because she thanks God in advance. It's a thankfulness that brings this clear focus 
of our dreams and our goals that God's put in our hearts. But you gotta be thankful in advance. So what does this living thankfully look like and how does it apply to the art of neighboring? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because God tells us to love our neighbors. And then he models it in the story he shares of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, verse 34, it says, going over to him, the Samaritan stood or, or soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and he bandaged them. Now, you know the backstory to this. I'm just not reading it all. This guy was beat up, robbed, left for dead on the side of the road. And the Samaritan, who should have nothing to do with this Jew, should have nothing to do with them. They're arch enemies, if you would, culturally. But he comes over, and with olive oil and with wine, he bandages, bandages him, he cleans him up, and then he puts him on his own donkey, the Bible says, and he takes him to this place to recover, this inn, where they take care of him. This is showing love to your neighbor. This is showing that I'm thankful for the, whatever little bit God has given me, And I'm going to use it to bless my neighbor. I'm going to use it to help somebody out. I'm going to use it to serve somebody else. I'm going to use it to make their life better. I'm going to love God by loving others. I'm going to thank God by loving others and serving others. Here's the facts. The world is destroying people everywhere. Can I get a witness on that? It is the... the, secular and demonic world, and I'm not calling, God created the earth, God created the people, but there is, the, there is a prince of the air, the Bible says, and his name is Satan. Come on, he is, he is Satan, he is the devil, he is the prince of the air, and his imps and his minions are all working against the culture of God's word and God's will for our life. And he is on a rampage. The Bible says he is seeking to kill, to steal, to destroy that is his goal, that is his, and it is, it is the absolute worldly culture that is looking to destroy our children. Look at what they're teaching in schools. It's got quiet in here now. I'm not being political. I'm just telling you what God says. Look at what our schools are teaching. Look at what they're pushing. I can't even, you can't even watch a commercial on television without pushing a secular agenda. It's true. It's true. The world is trying to destroy our children. The world is trying to destroy our marriages. It's true. The world is trying to destroy Satan and the culture of the world, the prince of the air, is trying to destroy everything that is holy and that is godly. And I believe the way we do that is not getting mad and angry. Now, if, it, if, it, if righteous indignation rises up, that's okay. I'm not talking, we should pray against this stuff. We should be, we should be uh, fervent in our prayer, fervent in our actions, absolutely. But what I'm talking about is a countercultural. The world says if you don't like something, get mad and yell and scream. But Jesus says if you want to change somebody, love them. That's kind of a hard thing for us to catch this morning. But love your neighbor. Be a good Samaritan to other people, even if they're your arch enemy, even if they don't line up with the way you think, even if they don't do it the way you would do it. I was telling several people this week with all the elections going on, I love politics, I just personally, like I like to get into it, I like to think about it, I like to read about it, I enjoy that kind of thing. But guess what? I love everybody, even if they don't belong to the political party I belong to. Now, I didn't vote for them. I wasn't hoping they'd get in office anyway. 
But if they do, guess what? I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. We've got to love our neighbor. And this is what the Good Samaritan does. He doesn't just come up and say, well, let me go call an ambulance. Let me go get someone that can help this guy. He goes out of his way. He takes the oil and the wine, and he begins to doctor up this guy that's wounded and dying, left for dead on the side of the road. He uses his resources, and this oil and this wine are both representative of the Holy Spirit. That is why we need the Holy Spirit working in us. Come on, church, say amen. It is the Holy Spirit that will guide me to those in need. It is the Holy Spirit that will give me the sources and the resources and the ability to love and serve them even if they don't align with me. Come on. It is the Holy Spirit in me that will speak the right words. It will help me guide them and help them and strengthen them and bless them. It is the Holy Spirit in me. We need to pour the oil and wine of God's Spirit in our lives on the world around us. Pour it out at work. Pour it out in your neighborhood. Pour it out in your home. Let the Spirit of God flow through you. Do not respond with evil, to evil, with evil. Do not respond to wrong by doing something wrong, but respond in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is thanksgiving? It's a daily verbal expression of gratitude. A daily, I wonder if you're in the habit, the discipline of thanking God daily. And thanking others daily. Just look for ways to say, thank you. I want Jesus to see I have a sincere passion and a desire and a hunger for the things of him. I want him to know that. Now you say, well, he knows my heart. Yes, he does. But isn't it all the better if he hears my heart? If he hears it coming out of me? If he hears me saying it, it honors him when I say thank you, Jesus. It honors him when I bless him. It honors him when I tell others thank you. It's an intentional gratitude. And I want him to know that I consider him in everything in my daily life. Thank you, God. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the provisions. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you, God. Find ways to say thank you. I want to be found daily in his word. I want to be found daily in prayer. I want to be found daily in communion with him. That's how I show thanks. That's how you ought to show thanks. It has to be a consistent lifestyle. It's intentional gratitude to God and to others. Thirdly, it is living a life apart from sin. It's pleasing God in every way in your life. It's a little quieter in here now. That's okay, but I'm talking about holiness. I have a hard time preaching any word, any message without coming back to the concept of holy living. That's not because I consider myself holier than anybody else. I'm not. It's not because I think that there's this level of holiness to attain that everybody ought to get there. It's this perpetual determination that I'm going to live like Jesus wants me to live. It's this perpetual determination in my spirit that I'm going to go hard after God today. If I fall short, I'm going to pick myself up. And by the grace of God and the power of God, I'm going to go forth again in his glory and in his grace. I am going to live my life set apart so that the world sees Jesus in me, so that my spouse sees Jesus in me, so that my children see Jesus in me. That's what I want. 
I want people to see Jesus. Do I get it wrong? Absolutely. Do you get it wrong? Yes, we all do. But the truth is, is there must be this daily desire in my heart to be show gratitude and love to God and to live a life that is set apart from this world. That's, that's so we're not just doing lip service. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I love you. I, I need to be more like you, but I want to be more like you by modeling it in my life daily. Holiness. Everybody say holiness. Live holy. Holy is separated from the things of this world. Not giving in to the things of this world. If your coworker tells a dirty joke, don't laugh and, and hang out and tell another one. Walk away. Well, they won't think I like them then. Well, that doesn't really matter, and it's not even true. It's modeling what is holy. It's living a life. And, and, and that's just one example. There's a thousand. If it doesn't bring glory from God, shun the appearance of evil. It's okay to just graciously bow out if something's not godly, if something's not good. It doesn't have to be judgmental. There's too many Christians that are afraid that they're going to look judgmental if they don't partake in what the rest of the world is doing. My gratitude to Jesus says I love Jesus more than I love anyone else. And I love everybody the way he does or I want to, but I don't have to partake in their sin in order to get them to like me or in order to get them to like Jesus. I need to step away from those things and live holy, serve God. It's living apart. It's letting my behavior say thank you to God. Thank you because I'm not the person I used to be. Come on, somebody. How many remember who you were before you got saved? How many remember how things were before, it got, before you gave your life to Christ? Then you have something to thank God for today. I thank God I'm not like that anymore. I'm thankful I don't do those things anymore. I'm thankful that he set me free from that. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let's run this race with gratitude. Let's run it as an, as an example to our neighbor. Let's run it in a way that brings glory to God and exemplifies Christ to the world around us. Let's run the race. Holiness is thankfulness. Fourthly, this thankful living is a faithfulness to his church. If you're glad to be in the house of God this morning, like physically here or online, just wave at me if you're glad to be in the house of God. Faithfulness to the church is a vital, part, a vital part of our thankfulness to God. This is, did you know God designed the church? Now he, I mean, he designed even the physical aspects of everything. He gave somebody the ability to design, like uh, an architect to design the floor plan and the layout of this church, but that's not what I'm talking about. The model of the church, the way it functions, this is God's design. It's perfect in his design. Because we're human and we put our input into it, we're, we're imperfect as people. But the church, the model of church is a perfect design. And that's why he calls us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. A thankful heart says, I want to be in the house of God. Hello? A thankful heart says, I want to get there with the body of Christ, my brothers and my sisters. I want to be with them. Does that mean everybody in this building is living perfectly and we get along absolutely 100% of the time? Absolutely not. We're human. We fall short. But it's kind of like a family, you know, 
you can kind of get, how many like just have little tiffs among like siblings and family? Come on, just be honest with me for a minute. Just tiffs. Only, only 30% of you, I doubt that's true. Just be, let's do it this way. I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up and keep it up until I say okay. If you ever have little disagreements, frustrations with family, raise your hand. Honey, you can put yours down. I know you don't. No, just kidding. Yeah, we do. You can put them down. It's okay. I want you to see. But guess what? When, when, when holidays, or in, in most families, when, when an occasion, a birthday or a celebration comes along, and you say, hey, we're all going to get together and have, like, you know, some barbecue on, in the smoker. I'm l- looking here at Brother Steve. He likes to smoke things. That, well, he did before he moved. I don't know if he still does. But he likes to smoke things. In the, and, and Steve and Doug are back there. They like to smoke, like, ribs and pork and beef and, and all of that. I'm getting hungry. But, you know, if you say, hey, guys, we're having this big get-together. We're all coming up. Come on over. We're going to celebrate. Guess what they do? They show up. You forget about the little disagreement you had last week. <laughs> you forget about the complaints you had against them a month ago. Doesn't really matter. Didn't mean much anyways. Even in the moment, probably about five minutes after you walked away from it, it was in the past and you forgot if you loved each other. It's just true. Why? Because you're thankful for your family. You're thankful for your kids, your spouse, your loved ones, your friends, your, your closest loved ones. And, and like if there's a gathering, you come. You want to be a part of it. People change their schedule around, around to get home to be with their family. They do. They, get, they, they move things around. They're like, you know what? I cannot do that. I can cut off work early. I can get someone to cover for I just want to be with my family. God's church is his design we are his family. We are, that's why we are called brothers and sisters in Christ. And there ought to be something within us innate as spirit-filled believers that say, I want to be there with you. I want to get to the house of God. I want to show my gratitude to God by being a part of his family. I want to hang out with you. And I do, sincerely, as your pastor. I'm not just saying that. I like hanging out with you. I like being together. I love coming to church this morning. <coughs> For many reasons, I stay in my office until church starts, for, for lots of good reasons and like that. But I am a social person by nature. I love talking to people. I love hanging out. I'm, I'll hang out here after church for hours if you need me to. In fact, my wife will tell you, she'll, like, after an hour, she's like, are, you all ready to, are we ready to go to lunch yet? I'm like, yeah, but I'm just still talking to somebody because I love fellowship. I hang out in my office before, but this today and often on Sunday mornings, I get antsy sitting back there. There's, there's really good reasons why I do it. It, it helps me keep myself focused and, and, and ready to come out here and minister effectively. But, man, today I couldn't stand back there. I was just antsy around. I was walking around in my office. I was ready to come out here. I heard people talking. And I'm like, why? Because you're my family. Because there's something inside of me. You go, man, I just want to be with them. I want to talk to them. I want to hang out with them. I w- and I want you to know, and, and maybe there's lots of, there's some introverts in here. I get it. There's different kinds of personalities. But you should want to be in the house of God. It shows your gratitude to God for creating his church, for designing it. Imperfect though it may be because of human uh, influence, it is perfect because it is God's plan. Hello. Faithfulness to his church. It's one of our core values, in fact, is, is generosity. And when I'm talking about generosity here, I'm not talking about just with your money. I'm talking about faithfulness to serving in his church. Faithfulness to giving of my time, my talent, and my treasure. Being generous with it. 
And, men, and so many of you are, and I want to say thank you as your pastor. In this season of Thanksgiving, I am thankful because Calvary doesn't function because a handful of people have a job here and we try to do it faithfully. It functions because there are literally tens on tens, if not more than a hundred people in this church that faithfully do something sacrificially to keep this operation and ministry functioning in a healthy way. Yesterday, we had about 35 men gathered in the, in the back back here having a men's breakfast and fellowship together. The women do this. The youth do this weekly. Uh, so many groups do this. Why? It functions because we are a family. And we should be thankful for it. We should thank God so much that we want to do more. How can I serve? What can I do for God in his house? Not just in his kingdom. Hello? Uh-oh, pastor's about to preach now. The kingdom is made up of his house, many houses all around the globe. But he's not just talking about kingdom work alone. There is a unique design of his house, his family, his local church. It's scriptural. I don't have time to break it all down this morning. But his house, his church is his design. And we should want to be a part of it. Faithfully committed to it. I want to be found faithful in his church. Fifthly, this living thankfully in the art of neighboring is a life filled with an expression. Everybody say expression. An expression of worship and praise. An outward expression of worship and praise. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 95, 2 says, let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Well, what does that look like, pastor? I sang this morning when everybody sang. But did you come in with singing? Did you long when you got out of bed this morning? And, and listen, I know we didn't all do this. I don't do this every week. I do it a lot. Do you long when you get up on a Sunday morning or even the days leading up to Sunday? I can't wait to get there. I, I get up and I start praising him. I start thanking him for the opportunity to be in his house, to be with his children, to be with my family and to worship at his throne. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. I'm guilty, but too often I come to church. Oh, I'm tired this morning. Oh, I just can't. Our whole house has been fighting something for the last week or so. And, and it's just like, oh, I'm just exhausted. I just, I, I, and so I'm guilty just like everybody else. But there's something inside of me as I built a discipline in my life over the years that most Sundays I just want to get here. I can't wait to be in his house. I get up. I set my alarm earlier on Sunday morning so I can get here sooner. I do. Well, you're the pastor. Well, I still think I would. It's hard to say that for sure. I've been doing this for a lot of years now. But I think I would. Because I always have, even before I was a pastor. The Bible in, in the Old Testament gives seven different words. I don't have time to break them all down, but I want to highlight them quickly for praise and thanks to God. Seven Hebrew words. I've preached on them before, but I want to just highlight them for you. Todah, T-O-W-D-A-H. It means a sacrifice of praise. It comes from the word yada, the second one we're going to give you in a minute. It means to extend the hands in confession, thanksgiving, offerings of thanks. We need to give God some toad praise today. 
Offerings of thanks, extend your hands. In fact, can we practice that right now? Could you just lift your hands and just from your heart, just say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, just some expression of thanks and honor. Hallelujah, Toda. And then there's the word yada or yada, Y-A-D-A-H. It means to extend the hand, as we already said. It also has this connotation, to throw out the hand, Throwing out in power, as in an arrow or a javelin, it implies power, and it extends my hands towards a particular person in praise or in prayer for them, and it shows God's power being extended out of my praise. The power of God goes forth out of my praise, out of my thanksgiving. Yada. And then there's the word barak, B-A-R-A-K, it means to bend the knee, to kneel down. It denotes praying to or invoking of divine intervention. It also means blessing God as an act of adoration. There's shabak, S-H-A-B-A-C-H. It means to shout or to address in a loud tone. It denotes a triumphant spirit. If we're really going to give God praise, then there ought to be something sometime in all of us that just wants to shout that praise out. Shabbat, Zamar, Z-A-M-A-R, it means to play or make music, to touch the strings or the part of a musical instrument. It's the only Hebrew word for praise whose meaning is strictly musical. So when we play the instruments, it is powerful. It rises a fragrant offering before God, Zamar, Helal. H-A-L-A-L. It means to shine or to be splendid, boast, rave, celebrate, clamorously foolish. Remember when David said, I'll become even more undignified than this? Because that is an act of our praise. When we just throw caution to the wind and we don't care what anyone thinks, I've just got to praise God. And so David starts dancing, radically dancing before the ark as it's being brought back in out of captivity, back into the place where it belongs, where the presence of God can dwell among his children. And that is what every time we gather in his church, we ought to desire to get here so that we can have some radical praise to God. It's a good thing to praise God and give thanks to him. Come on, somebody. It's good to praise him with this halo praise. And then there's Tehillah. Praise that exalts God through a spontaneous, creative, and previously unknown song or tune. It means to sing or to shout or to dance or to rejoice or a combination of all. Tehillah is kind of like a combination of the other six before that we've already shared before. It's, it's kind of like coming to God with a sacrifice, coming to God with our hands extended, coming to God with a bend to knee, coming to God with a shout, coming to God with this radical attitude of I love you Jesus and nothing's going to separate me from that. It's singing and shouting and dancing. And that's how you praise God. That's how scripture tells us to do it. It uses all of these words interchangeably in different places throughout the Old Testament. And if God says, praise me this way, then we ought to praise him that way. Come on, somebody. That's what Thanksgiving should look like. That's how we model it to our neighbors. And then our thanks ought to also look like loving and caring for each other. Loving your neighbor as yourself. First Peter 3, 8 through 9 says, finally, of all of you should be of one mind. It says, sympathize with each other. I wonder if you know what your neighbor's going through today. You don't have to look at them right now, but you saw them earlier. I wonder if you know what they're facing. It says, sympathize with each other. 
Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. I want to stop and preach there, but time won't let me. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with, ins- don't, with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Well, I'll tell you what, that saved a lot of counseling sessions. I can't believe you said that. It's just true. I don't mind counseling sessions. But it would save a lot of, well, you know, they said this and they did that. And I can't believe, if we did what, what did he say? He said, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And that is what he will bless. (laughs) Hallelujah. Did you know he'll bless you if you can... Return an evil word with a blessing, with a kind word, with love, with encouragement. It's living countercultural, I know, but that's what God's called us to do. The world says get even. Jesus says love your enemy as yourself. Lastly, this morning, and this is kind of the crux of this theme of the art of neighboring and linking it to our thanksgiving or thanksgiving It's being a witness to everyone that you come in contact with. Sharing your faith boldly, courageously, doing what Jesus did. Jesus told everybody about the love of God. If he couldn't say it out loud, he lived it out loud. But most of the time, because he was living it out loud, he got the chance to say it out loud. Because he was living the way his father had told him to live because he was obeying the will of the Father, people would ask him about him. And he would have the opportunity to share. If you will live the way God has called you to live, I'm telling you, your neighbors, your co-workers will ask you why. It was Halloween night after the Fall Fest. I didn't, I don't think I even shared this with Bev. Maybe I did. And my neighbors across the street, when I got home from the Fall Fest, we were flying out early the next morning, and I was exhausted, and I was tired, and I needed to get in. I still had to pack some stuff, and we had to get to bed because we were getting up at like 3 a.m. to go to the airport. And so I wasn't going to get much sleep. And my neighbors across the street had been out with, you know, trick-or-treating kids. They were out there giving candy out. Their kids are a little bit older, teenagers, so they weren't out with them, but they were out there. And we got in, and I've tried to talk to these neighbors many times. And we're, we're friendly. We wave, we talk, and like that. But we hadn't had a conversation, maybe ever, in our four years there now. And they said, they said when I pulled in late, they said, we noticed you weren't giving away candy. And I said, well, we were, but just not here. We were at our church. And it just, something sparked. And there was this opportunity And they said, oh, what church are you at? And I told them, and they didn't even know I was a pastor. Shame on me. I thought they did. I didn't know they didn't know. And they said, well, we didn't know you were a pastor. And I said, yeah. And I told them what church I pastored. And I told them all about the Fall Fest and everything that we had just done that night and how wonderful it was and how we blessed them, the the, the community, and served the community. And they were so talkative and so open to it. And it was just this opportunity to let the love of Jesus shine. And I said to them, and they said, is it over already? And I said, no, but I had to come home early. I told them we were leaving the next day. And I told them it was a blessing from our church, the trip that we were going on. And, And I just began to share. And there was this openness in this. Them about hearing about that, about God's house. 
I just need you to understand something. If you will live it out, it's taken four years. And I've talked to my other neighbors and had lots, but it's taken four years. But there was this open opportunity. I've seen him three times since I got back from our trip. And every time he's never waved, he, every time he waves at me. Every time he's waved at me. I'm telling you, when you live it out, God will let you let it out. <laughs> when you live it out, there will be an opportunity to let it out for the glory of God. We've got to be a witness. Do what Jesus did and tell people about him everywhere. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Even though I am free, a free man with no master, Paul writes, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Jesus. When I was with the Jews, I lived like the Jews to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I was a Gentile, uh, who do, when I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Everybody say everyone. Doing everything, say everything, that I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. It is a blessing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to his name. It is a blessing to thank your neighbor and to love your neighbor as yourself. It is a blessing to serve the church of the living God. It is a blessing to be in his house. It is a blessing to lift up our voices. It is a blessing to praise him in all seven ways. It is a blessing to give God all of the glory. Oh, 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 oh,